Yeah, so first of all, welcome everybody again. Um, and I think it was a poignant comment that I made uh, to Alex earlier about when he said that there's a lot of people in this class, and I said, well, this is actually just the, the natural reaction to the stressfulness of our society. Um, so since I've started doing this work, I mean, I guess since I've lived in the monastery in Germany, and then also since I've come back, I've found that people are really receptive to the practices of meditation and mindfulness and yoga um, more than they were, you know, when I actually left to go to the monastery um, 10 years ago. And I feel that people are just really realizing they're feeling for themselves that the way that they're living their lives is not sustainable anymore. That they're starting to break down, something's starting to crack. They're feeling unhappy, they're feeling like something's missing, something deeper is missing. And um, so people are looking for what is that and how to connect to that. And, you know, the thing that's really missing is just kind of that connection back to yourself. Some kind of more, um, you know, underlying sense of contentment, underlying sense of peace, um, underlying sense of that you are on the right path for yourself. You're, on, you're doing the right thing, right? So... That kind of brings people to places like this where they turn inwards and they, they want to take time and look and they're not really sure if this is the place that they're going to find it, but they're hoping maybe it is. And there's a lot of ways to practice um, meditation. So there's like mantras and chanting and things like this, which <clears throat> kind of just help bring your mind into the present. Um, so, you know, I think actually yoga is very similar, Tai Chi, just different movements and different, um, you know, sounds and songs and things that are really made to kind of bring your mind more just into the place that they are, whether that's into the body consciousness, whether that's into the listening, whether that's into the speech. Um, and these are all kind of, um, well, okay, so I was going to say entry points, but technically there's no kind of beginning or end to any of it. It's just kind of the mind can be very scattered and then the mind can go from scatteredness to focusedness. And you can kind of take that however far that you want. So even somebody that's very, very scattered and they're all over the place and doing this, you know, even just taking a single deep breath and then continuing on with their scatteredness, you know, at least brought them in a little bit, right? And then we can maybe come to like a yoga class or a meditation class and that can kind of bring us in a little bit deeper. And then some people, maybe they go home and then they practice like more and they practice like every day or like hours or this and they become a monk and you go to the monster and then you go live in the Himalayas in a cave or something and then you're practicing like 12 hours a day or something, right? And then those people are like getting like more and more and more, right? So it's kind of like the more, um, the more you give, the more you get a little bit, the more time and energy and, and um, like mental energy and, and heart energy you give into the practice, the farther it brings you. And I think that's maybe normal with everything in life. It's just what you give into it, the priority you make it is kind of how deep it'll take you, right? So there's a lot of different methods that can kind of bring you in, can start to bring you inwards um, and help you relax. Like when I say breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth, I just find that's a good way to like chill out, right? Because it's kind of like when you're exhausted and you're just like, ah, right? You just kind of, that sigh, you know? It's just that feeling of like, ah, just like letting things go, releasing. So um, doing like little things like this or just kind of cues to the mind 
also like sitting in a group, sitting in a circle, coming together, coming to a yoga studio, coming to another space. These are all cues for our mind that now is really the time. And often the more effort you've put to get to that thing, the more you'll really kind of be present and the more you'll go for it. This is why I think there's a lot of temples and things up on top of mountains and ashrams. Um, a, it's because it's very secluded and it's like very lofty up there and you have these beautiful views and you're like, you know, closer to the divine, I guess, right? But probably not, but it just feels like you're in this higher place and ah, right, ah, peaceful and there are birds around and clouds. Um, but actually, you know, when I'm in India and I, and I go to these ashrams and stuff, you know, and you're climbing these, you know, whatever, like 700 steps to get to like the Hanuman temple up on the thing, you know, you really build up this determination to get to that Hanuman. To, like, I really want to get to that temple. And you really, you really appreciate it. it. Really, you know, you sit there and it really feels good to be there because you put in like this effort to kind of do that. I think maybe Shravasana is similar, right? Like at the end of yoga, you get to lay down and it's just like, ah, finally, you know, like I've earned this, right? Because if you really like that Shravasana, you don't have to get out of bed in the morning. You don't have to come to yoga class. You could just lay in bed and you're in Shavasana, right? But you're in, you're in Shavasana in bed and you feel like irritated and unhappy and like, uh, you know, you need to come and you need to like let out your energy, you need to do something, you know, and then at the end it's like, ah, oh, okay, now this makes sense, right? Now I've let out my energy, now I've done something good for myself, now I can rest. So um, the same is with meditation, like you don't have to come here. You could literally wake up in the morning, sit up, take your pillow, stick it under your butt and meditate. Yeah, and you can try that. And a lot of people try that, and then they feel they do that, and then they're like, you know, it would really be great if I actually had a cup of coffee as well. You know, and they'll go up and they'll make coffee, and then, oh, and the dishes aren't done. So, okay, I'll put away the dishes. You know. They have their coffee, and they sit there, and they drink, and they're like, okay, I need to open up the window, and they do that, and then the phone rings or something, right? Um, because when we're in our own space, it's really easy to get distracted, because we haven't really had to put in any effort. We just kind of sat up, and we just tried to do it, and we allow ourselves just to kind of be distracted by whatever comes. Um, so I feel like when you kind of come into a space like this, you, you've made like a mental mark that's like, I'm, I'm going to put myself in a, in a conscious space, right? This is a conscious space. We, we consciously enter this space for a purpose together. So this is a con same like at your office, that's a conscious space. We're consciously now in this space to work, uh, I hope, right? And now we're here in this space, right? And we're consciously in this space to kind of come down and, and relax and, and be with ourselves or, you know, focus on our practice. Um, so, so I think that all of that kind of helps as far as, you know, letting yourself know that, that this is serious, that you really want to do this. Because um, the mind loves to, to go, you know. When I was on retreat in Australia for three months, I, I wrote something and it was like, you know, I... I I walked through the great deserts. Um, I was on a ship at sea. Um, I've been on TV. I sang in front of an audience and, and danced under the stars. Oh, the places I've been, the places I've been while sitting in my hut. You know, because I would just sit there and just daydream, right? I had this like whole one, and I was still a monk, and I had this like one point, this whole like Jennifer Lawrence from the Hunger Games, like daydream about like going on TV and saying like, Jennifer Lawrence, I love you. Like, will you be, you know? And I kind of like snapped out and I was like, Seth, what are you doing? You know, I'm sitting like in my robes in this hut. And I was like, oh my God. But um, that the mind is just, it does whatever it wants, you know. You, you can be whoever, whatever you want. You can really be a good person. And the mind will still just go off and suddenly you'll realize that you're thinking of like, like what would be the best way to like poison a water supply or something? 
why is it, you know, it's like you just heard about like something on like the news about terrorists and you're like, you're like man, like they really didn't do it right. Like if they were really smart, they'd be doing, you know. And you just, the mind just kind of does whatever it wants and it doesn't even have to fit with your intention. It doesn't even have to fit with like your values. Um, the mind, it's just, it's shameless, right? Um, Jack Cornfield once said, if there was a person sitting next to you and they were just speaking in your ear everything your mind was saying, first you'd just be really like confused, then you'd get really offended. You know, how dare you speak to me like that? How dare you call me these names and be so hard on me? You know, and then you would just think this person's insane, right? That they're just talking here and there and singing songs and like, this person's crazy, right? But that's your own mind, right? This is what's happening inside. If you're really conscious of your thoughts, it's ridiculous. Or as they say these days, ridic. It's ridic, right? So, what I've really found meditation is helpful for is that um, it starts to create a bit of a spaciousness. So when I teach meditation, I also often say to like feel the space of the room around us. Because, you know, if you're sitting in a space and someone says, what's in this room? You would say, well, there's people, uh, there's mats, there's these walls, there's that you know, rack over there. Maybe somebody who was like trying to be like really cool would be like, there's presence in this room or something. Um, but actually what this room is mostly made up of is empty space, right? That most of this room, there's nothing. It's just the space that we're inhabiting. But the way that the human mind works, it's like if you took a piece of paper and I put a black dot and I said, what is this? You would all say it's a black dot. Even though that black dot takes up that much of this huge piece of paper, even like a big board, just like a little dot, you go, oh, it's a dot. Because our mind, it wants a relationship point. It, needs, it wants something to hold on to, to know. We just went to the... Um, the Four Agreements, the, the guys from The Four Agreements, uh, was it Don, Don Miguel Ruiz? And his, and his kids, they, they gave a talk at Unity in Amesbury, Unity on the River, on The Four Agreements. And, um, and one of the sons said, you know, in Gestalt therapy, they talk about the mind's wish to complete things. So if you draw a circle, but you leave like a little space, the mind wants to like complete that process. Or he said about what assumptions are is that it's like a triangle but it's only two sides, and the mind wants to complete that. And he said, for instance, like his girlfriend called him every day when she came home from work, um, and this one day she didn't come home from work, so he's like, well, she didn't call me. So, so she usually calls me, this is one end of the triangle, but today she didn't call me. And then the missing piece is, well, why didn't she call me? And then he's like, maybe she, her phone died, maybe this, maybe this. Maybe she's seeing another guy. She must be seeing another guy, right? Because that was like a wound that he had already from another relationship. So he was going through all these situations, how she's seeing this other guy, and all, and then all these things line up, and he was connecting all these dots. And then she came in the room, and, and he was like, got in this really big argument with her about how she's just like not loyal and all this stuff, and they ended up breaking up. And a couple years later, he's talking to a therapist, and she's like, well, like, walk me through. And he's like, yeah, she came in, and she had like, these bags in her hand, and she this, and I, and I started yelling at her, and she's like, well, what were the bags? She's like, well, it was like, like Thai food, you know? And she's like, so she went and got you Thai food. He's like, oh. <laughs> and he kind of realized that she came in and she was actually like surprised, like I got you Thai food. But he was so focused on connecting that triangle, like finishing that assumption, that he actually like hit her with this shotgun of anger. But actually she was completely doing something nice. So, you know, how often, he was kind of like, how often in our life do we actually complete the triangle with our own assumption instead of just asking or waiting to see like what is actually going on, right? Um, so, yeah, so the, the mind really has these, these different tendencies to work on, to do things. 
Um, but what happens in, in meditation is that you, you see that dot on the whiteboard, right? You see that point in space. And as much as we like to focus on that and have like relation to it and say, okay, there's that dot, there's the white, there's me. What I try to do in the meditation is try to shift to focus more on the space, to try to feel the space around me, try to feel that space in between the breaths, try to see the space in between the thoughts. And if you're focused on the space of the room, then like um, happiness comes up, anger comes up, sadness comes up, thoughts come up, all different things will come up and they want you to engage with them because when you engage with the mind, that's how it proliferates, that's how it continues going. You need to feed it. It's like uh, if you're at a petting zoo, one of our friends said she was driving through Tennessee and someone had like a private petting zoo and they drove through and like zebras came up to the car and stuck their head in the car and started eating like these buckets of feed they had. And they're like, put the feed away. But you know, they put it away and then the zebras kind of like left. And you know, when we, give up, when we give food to those things, they keep coming, they keep wanting to eat to our thoughts, to our feelings, to our stories, right? But when you just sit and focus on the space, it's like a thought will come up and it'll be like, oh, what are you doing later? And you just let that thought, that thought fly away. And then suddenly you're just still in the space. And then it's like, oh, that was cool. Good try. No. <laughs> and it's like, is it over yet? Hey, remember that argument you had yesterday with that person? Yeah. And it'll keep trying to, things will keep coming up trying to engage you. And it's really easy to engage that mind. It's our habit, is to keep running with it. But um, I just got a new bumper sticker on the back of my car, and it says, you don't have to believe everything you think, <laughs> right? Because I'll notice that myself. I was in yoga today. It was a really hard class. I was pushing myself. I was, like, sweating. It was, like, really intense. And the thought arose in my mind, uh, I'm going to have to quit. This is too much. But because of my meditation practice, that thought came up, and I just let that thought kind of go, and I said, I don't believe that. I have no idea if this is too much. So I just stopped, and I took a breath, and I, you know, pounded the rest of my water, and then I stood up and I continued doing the yoga class and I was fine. You know, whereas the average person, that thought would arise and you think that thought is you. I can't do it. Oh, okay, I can't do it. And you get up and you leave. You don't realize that your thoughts have nothing to do with you. You don't actually have to listen to your thoughts. Yeah? It's like a crazy realization, but it's like, oh, actually, these thoughts are just arbitrary. And like I said, I'll be sitting there and I'll tell my mind to stop and it'll start like saying crazy things and singing. And I don't believe all those thoughts, so... Why do I believe the thought that says I can't do this class? Yeah, so I, I often have this image in my mind. It's like as if a balloon's rising in front of me with a string. That's the thought that comes up. And I usually grab the string and then it kind of takes me with it. That's like the way these thoughts work. And I feel like in these meditations, it's like the balloon, like the thought, like it, it literally kind of comes up and it arises. And there's like that string that like you want to kind of hold on to to keep going with that thought. But you just kind of like let that string pass and then it's gone and there's a space. And you're like, oh, okay. And then the next thing comes, and there's just space. And the more you start focusing on space, the more space starts to really become your reality. Because whatever the mind focuses on, that gets louder. If you're in a room and there's like a mosquito, all you hear is like, you know. If you're watching TV or if you're on your phone, you don't even see the rest of the room anymore. You just tune in on that one thing. If you have pain, you just focus. If you're angry, you just focus. The mind evolutionarily has found this way to just completely focus on something and drown out everything else. Um, because we have so many senses, our mind can't be active everywhere at once. It's overload. Like right now, feel your butt sitting on the ground. Feel the clothing on your back. That sense has been there the whole time. But because it doesn't make sense for you to sit there feeling that, your mind tunes it out so it can listen to what I'm saying and process it. 
Yeah, so our mind has this ability to focus in one place and tune out everything else that's not important in that moment, which is great. But also, if we're not doing that mindfully or with wisdom, that can get us in a lot of trouble. And also, like in relationships, maybe you're focusing too much on how that person's annoying you instead of focusing on like how thankful you are that you're there, right? So you can really choose your focal points. So for the meditation, I personally like choosing the focal point of space. Yeah, I really like to focus on the space around and then the vicissitudes of life. So like the highs and the lows and the thoughts and all these emotions and all these, they kind of come and go. And yeah, you have to, you know, you have to respect the illusion, so to say that you can't, it's not like neglecting and negating all of your thoughts and feelings, of course not, right? But it's also realizing that they don't have complete power over you, that you do actually still have a choice how you want to respond. And that there's times like this where you actually don't want to respond to any of them that you really need just some space to chill out. Yeah, and that's kind of, this is like the chill out room, right? This is why we're here, just chill out for a little bit. So, um, so I'll walk you through, we'll do like a meditation. Um, and as I said about focusing on space, so there's really like nothing to do. In fact, the less you do, the better. Um, the doer is what gets in the way of the meditation. Um, it's this really kind of difficult paradox but it's like the less you do the more the mind can relax just like the more your body does the more it's busy doing if you want the body to relax and you just relax the body and it's done right but for some reason in meditation when I say relax the mind people like start fighting with the thoughts and trying to do this and that like they don't just relax um, one thing I will say is that the idea that meditation is not about the highs and the lows, right? The happiness and the sadness or the joy and the anger, whatever it is. Um, that's not entirely correct because there's a, a very brilliant mechanism within meditation why it works is that when the mind feels something pleasurable, when the mind is in contact with something it likes, it naturally is drawn towards it, right? You see like in the cartoons when like there's like the wolf at the bar and like the sexy rabbit walks in or something, his eyes like bulge out towards her and his tongue rolls out, right? Because when we see something that we like, our senses go towards that thing. If you like, and something smells nice, you're like, mmm, what was that, right? You're drawn into it. So the same thing happens in the mind is when the mind is actually more relaxed and happy, then your presence, your awareness is drawn into that. Yeah, so it's not that we're looking for no feeling or nothing, right? We're not trying to get rid of everything. Actually, positive feelings, peacefulness, joy, happiness, contentment, these feed energy into the mind and these make the mind want to concentrate, to collect, to come into presence. Concentration doesn't mean forcing yourself to be somewhere. That's what they taught you in school. School is stupid. Yeah? I go into schools now and try to unteach that. Yeah? So it's not about forcing your mind to do what you want because that's exhausting. That's not sustainable. Willpower and force are not sustainable forms of power or effort. They exhaust, yeah? But if you know the mechanisms of the mind, how the mind concentrates, the mind concentrates naturally when it feels good, when it's happy, yeah? When the mind is happy, it naturally will come together in a sustainable way, yeah? So it's really this hard thing to realize that, that you want that peaceful mind out here and your mind is really busy, so you think you have to do something to get from here to there, but actually, if you can just relax and stop, there comes to here. Yeah? So that's the crazy thing about this, is that it comes to you. 
the less you do, the more you can let go. One of my teachers, Achim Brahm, he wrote a book on meditation. The first line is, meditation is the way of letting go. I tried reading that book five times, and every time I'd pick up the book, I would read that first line and just close the book and sit and just fall into a deep meditation. Because it was just like the only instruction I needed. It's just meditation is the way of letting go. And when you know that, it's like, what else is there to even talk about, actually? Right? Okay. So we're going to use, um, I guess, a nice chunk of class now to meditate. We'll maybe go for like 20 minutes. Uh, maybe for some of you that's normal. Maybe for some of you that seems like, oh, my God, that's like so much time and it's crazy. But um, it's fine. So you'll be super relaxed, and by the time it ends, you'll be like, oh, that was it. Right? So. so it's really important that you sit in a position that you feel comfortable and stable. Um, I know that we're all kind of like packed into this room, so see what that means for yourself, and if you need to like slide a little bit forward, or a little bit back, or you know, kind of make yourself in a position that you feel kind of comfortable in your space. Um, there are more cushions and blankets and things up there, so... I sometimes tell people if they're not able to find a comfortable position, sometimes it's sim simply because you're sitting too low. So sometimes you just have to sit up higher. You could even stack cushions on top of each other to get up more so your knees can come down. Um, so it's really just about finding your, your personal, your individual way of sitting that works. <laughs>